Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 22. We are today talking about mead. Yes, indeed, talking about mead. <laughs> Easily the oldest beverage we've talked about so far. Easily. So, uh, let's kick right into it. I'm Michael. And I'm Stuart. And this is a Good Drop Podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in. We're, yeah, talking about mead. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's an alcoholic beverage that's created by fermenting honey with water. And uh, Wait, wait, wait. It's an alcoholic beverage? It is an alcoholic <laughs> beverage. I know I know. we talked about just water by itself in our last episode, but this time we're, we're back to our standard modus operandi. Yeah, we, we've recovered from our hangovers. We have. It's taken a week, but we're all right now. We're all right, and uh, we're talking about a drink made by fermenting honey with water and sometimes various fruits, spices, grains, and even hops. Just about everything. If it's sweet, you can mix it with honey and turn it into a version of mead. Yeah, in fact, there is a huge variety of meads, and uh, we will get into that a little later on. I I lost count at about 30-something. Yeah, so there's... But we won't list them all because that's quite a lot. Yes, we we made that mistake in a previous episode, listing uh, far too many things. To revisit what we were just talking about, though, let's let's mention the uh, the approximate alcohol content of mead because there is quite a bit of variety in that. Hmm. It uh, tends to range from three and a half percent to over twenty percent. Yeah, it's you know with the sheer number of varieties, there's so many different ways of making it, and with each different variety of yeast, you've got different alcohol strengths that they pander to. Yeah, and uh, a, a very unique thing about mead is that uh, the majority of uh, fermenting beverages are made with sugar, but in mead, the sugar comes directly from the honey. There is no additional sugar added. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, even up to the 1600s, the uh, sugar, as we know it today, didn't really exist. Uh, it wasn't until the uh, sh- honey shortage of the 16th century that people started looking for other sources and found it in sugarcane and corn. Yeah, very, uh, very true. And of course, that uh, that difference has uh, over time resulted in a variety of uh, mead, not just varieties, but um, just variations in that it can be uh, still carbonated, sparkling, dry, semi-sweet or sweet. And everything in between. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's go way back to the very, very, very beginning of all of this. Before even beer. Before beer. Because uh, pottery vessels dating from as far back as 7000 BC were uh, discovered in northern China and were found to uh, contain chemical signatures consistent with the presence of honey, rice, and other organic compounds associated with fermentation, suggesting they had been used to contain early forms of mead. Yeah, and the the first known evidence of it in Europe, because of course that was in China. But uh, funnily enough, it didn't uh, make its way to Europe, as as far as uh, we're aware from archaeologists at least, until around uh, 2800 BC, where those same chemical things were found in ceramics. Mm. The most agreed story about how mead came to be was that, well, one of them is the monks 
would wash their honey po- honey barrels out with water and discovered that if forgotten about the uh honey turned into or the honey fermented or turned into this alcoholic drink and uh, that that story does um fit with uh, with what is known historically uh, about mead it, it it seems uh, quite plausible to me because the uh, the earliest uh, surviving description of mead is actually in uh, the hymns of regatta one of the sacred books of the uh, historical vedic religion which is dated around 1700 bc so from from as far back as then it's been made by monks and clerics and vedics and religious but, folk yeah but of course it predates even those monks so how do you think they how do you think the people back then real discovered it yeah well undoubtedly through something like washing stuff that had contained honey yeah another uh, bit of folklore is that the someone discovered it by coming across a beehive that got wet and then left out in the sun for a while so the mm. the honey fermented inside the beehives <laughs> then, well, then you got drunk bees, don't you? Yeah, that's a good story. So uh, let's uh, back back to history, because uh, the golden age of uh, of ancient Greece, mead was said to be the preferred drink. Interestingly enough, so it's been around and it's been popular way, way, way back. It was popular, and uh, Aristotle actually made mention of it in his uh, Meteorologica around 384 BC, and then uh, Pliny the Elder later referred to mead as milites in his uh, Naturalis Historia, and he differentiated that from uh, wine sweetened with honey in uh, in those texts and another ancient scholar hippocrates would would make a mead with uh, honey and elderberries and use it as a as a medicine a tonic for various ailments yeah, which was of course very popular to use anything alcoholic as a tonic as, <laughs> as we know from previous episodes use everything ever yeah so uh, can continuing through uh, through history here around the ancient roman times the hispanic roman naturalist columella actually gave a recipe for mead in derarutia around uh, 60 ad <laughs> now uh, so I, i'm gonna read that exact recipe as as it translates to english of course rather than reading it in the what? in the roman come on get break out your latin so they uh, <laughs> they say take rainwater kept for several years and and mix a sextarius of this water with a pound of honey. For a weaker mead, mix a sextarius of water with nine ounces of honey. The whole is exposed to the sun for 40 days and then left on a shelf near the fire. If you have no rainwater, then boil spring water. Now, the, the measurements in this recipe are the ancient Roman measurements, obviously, not uh, mm. not current-day imperial or metric measurements. So, um, the sextarius was actually uh, a unit of measurement that comes up to approximately 540 milliliters. And uh, the ancient Roman pound that this recipe refers to, which was also known as a libra, uh, is actually about 329 grams. And uh, the Roman ounce was roughly 27.4 grams. So... Um, we're going to try and make this. We sure are. Because that's pretty simple. Yeah, I think maybe we should add a couple of extras to it. Like, maybe we should use, I don't know, citrus honey or orange blossom honey or something. Well, it's non-specific about what kind of honey. Yeah, and we can add cinnamon or uh, berries to it or what? What do you reckon, Mickle? Just keep it keep it simple? Well, I'd like to um, to make it 
straight from the from the ancient recipe. I mean, this is from 60 AD, so True. we're we're talking a recipe that's like 1800 years old. Yeah, nearly 2000 years. Nearly 2000 years old. So I'd I'd like to to taste that 1800 year old mead to to yeah. see what it tasted like in the beginning. Yeah, and how it compares with a recipe from today. Yeah, with, with modern day mead, with the mead we're drinking at at the moment. Yeah, well, that's a good segue to talking about the mead we're drinking. Uh, we're drinking Maxwell's Mead. It's a mead, one of the two meads you can get easily in Australia. Uh, the other one is Duringa's. And they, this is made in South Australia by yeah, Maxwell Rineries. Mm, and it, it is a, a very pleasant mead. It's uh, not too sweet. A little bit, um, little bit spicy, a little bit bitter, I think. Yeah, it's got a tiny bit of bitter bitterness to it and a tiny bit of tartness Mm. um but it's yeah it's mostly a sweet drink and it's really easy to pair with other things because it's you know just like a a nice lemonade or a soft drink in terms of flexibility to what you're having with it yes indeed i mean i I could uh imagine sitting down with my eating knife and a leg of lamb (laughs) (laughs) or or a steak fresh off the fire so Ken Maxwell is the founder of Maxwell Wineries and he he had been experimenting with recipes until he finally settled on one suitable for uh, commercial production in 1961 which is the one you can drink today. Mm, right and uh, I mean as um as things in Australia go it's been around for a long time but on a global scale of course especially in mead reference it's yeah 1961 is yeah, a drop in the bucket f- 50 years. Yeah. But uh, very, very pleasant mead. I mean, I've, I've had mead uh, made by friends, and I've had this, and I mean, every mead is different. Yeah, everyone's got their own recipe. Yeah. And their own variations of the same recipe. Mm, exactly, exactly, which is why I'm so curious to try that 60 AD recipe. Very true. See how something so simple turns out. Uh, we just have to find a good sunny spot to leave it sit for 40 days. 40 days is a long time, but when you're considering people leave their wines to ferment for years or age for years it's not really that long yeah well I mean, all sorts of drinks are left to age for years you get 18 year 30 year yeah 30 year ports yeah uh scotches 30 plus year scotches uh you get imperial stouts that get aged mm, very true so yeah 40 days in uh, in comparison mm. isn't too long to wait for something you've made yourself hmm it's exciting. It builds the anticipation. Mm, it does. It does indeed. And uh, so before we start talking about how to drink mead, let's talk about some varieties. Yes, let's. So what's... Uh, obviously, we've got the, the basic just with um, honey and water. Yeah. Uh, you've also got just about everything under the sun. My my favorite name at the moment is Bochet or Botchet. And it sounds the tastiest because it's a mead where the honey is caramelized or burned separately before adding the water. It yields toffee, caramel, chocolate, and toasted marshmallow flavors. Maybe we should make that one instead. Mm, well, as well, perhaps, if as we well. can, because it, it does sound very appetizing. Mm. Uh, you've got uh, blue mead, uh, where fungal spores are added during the first fermentation process, and it gives it a blue tint. Mm. figure. Yeah. Uh, you've got great mead, where which is a mead 
intended to be aged for several years. The designation is meant to distinguish between this type of mead and short mead, which is meant to be drunk as quickly as possible. Right, so I suppose short mead is more the uh, the 40-day variety. It's meant to age quickly for immediate consumption, and it tastes kind of like champagne or cider. Hmm, interesting. Mm. And you still get that fizz as well. Oh, right. You get the bubbles. So how, how do they... What, what's the differentiation in the production process between short mead and other meads that you would leave sit longer, I wonder? Well, you've got, uh, you've got the distillate... Not distillation. You've got the fermentation and you've got aging. So with like wines and beers and meads, you ferment the beverage to get the alcohol... And then you age it for the flavour. So if you're not worried about if you're not worried it, about the flavour, then as soon as the fermentation process is complete, you yeah. can just drink it. You rack it and you drink it. If you're just drinking it straight off the bat, you take out the 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 yeast that'll be dying and sitting on the bottom of the the barrel or carboy or bottle or whatever you're using, and yeah, you just pour it into a glass and swig away. Uh, but if you're aging it, you filter it all out and put it back in the barrel or back in a bottle or a different bottle or a different barrel, and you leave it sit for longer next to a fire or in a cool or slightly warm place. And you let the flavours change and develop. I've made mead once before. Tasted alright. Well, there we go. Another interesting factoid for our listeners. Yeah. In uh, making mead and when you can drink it and when you might want to drink it. You drink it whenever you, as soon as you feel like drinking it. That's yeah. The, that's the, the long and the short of it. Mm. Which I suppose <laughs> does, uh, does explain why it's been so popular throughout the ages. Mm. That it's not something that has a designated time period that you have to wait. No, but of course, the longer you leave it, the better it's going to taste. Yeah, well, naturally. I forgot about my last bottle, and it tasted good, really, really, really good, because I'd let it age for nearly a year. Oh, well, I just very nice. forgot. <laughs> but, so, some other varieties, we've got uh, Oxymel, Oxymel, which is a blending of honey with wine vinegar. It's from, from Greece, that one. Mm. Uh, you've got melomel which is made from honey and any kind of fruit uh you've got capsicumel <laughs> which is mead flavored with chili peppers well that makes perfect sense yeah from the name yeah uh there's some names that i can't pronounce from poland and and russia <laughs> uh and white mead which is a mead that's colored white with herbs fruit or egg whites and it's interesting to note that these varieties come from all over the world. You've got Estonia, you've got Russia, you've got Ethiopia, you've got Poland, England. There's ones from China, from Greece, Portugal. We're just about everywhere. Well, and it is understandable that something that's so old, dating back mm. to 7000 BC, would have made its way around the world. Yeah, or is so easy to make that it's just happened everywhere Ooh, like like beer like wine like mm. so many of the things that we've mentioned that are old yeah so someone's honey stores has probably gotten water in it and it's fermented and people have gone hey this is great or you know someone's found a wet bee alive yeah and they've said i wonder if i can drink this or they've kicked it and it and liquids come out and it's and you know, peep it not that thick, viscous liquid that honey is. Uh, it'll be would have been a more runny liquid like wine or water. And the person's gone, 
hey, wait a minute. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the fact that we uh, the fact that we drink cow's milk suggests that throughout the years we've gone wonder if I can drink that a number of times for some pretty strange things. So yeah, does that taste okay? I wonder. Mm. I wonder what that tastes like. There yeah, you I go. suppose that that is sort of the uh, the ancient thing that we still see in babies. Can I eat it? Can I drink it? Yep. <laughs> Just. What is that? I'll put it in my mouth and find out. A taste test. All right, Mikkel, how are we drinking this mead at the moment? Well, we are drinking this mead at room temperature. Mm. Well, it's currently room temperature now. Yeah. It was poured chilled. It was poured chilled, and the the flavour does change. Mm. With uh, with temperature, I I generally prefer to drink mead at room temperature, but that preference does change somewhat based on the mead you're drinking. Yeah, I think some meads are better chilled. Mm. And the well, the best part about mead is that you can drink it at any temperature. You can drink it almost at icy pole temperature or ice cream temperature, or you can have it hot like coffee. Mm, you can, and you get a different flavor and different different everything at, at that point. Yeah. It's almost a different drink. It really is. Uh, for meads that have, have been made to drink in drink as they're hot, drink hot, they're made with uh, more spices and different flavours. So you might have a lot of anise or cloves in the in the spiced versions or hot versions, whereas the, uh, the meads that have been designed with or made with cold drinking in mind have been made with fewer spices. That is interesting. I did not know that. But... You know, it's mead, so you can just drink it at whatever temperature you damn well please. Yeah, well, and I guess something <laughs> that is, again, I, I know I've said this so many times, but something that is that age means that it came into existence at a time when there was no refrigeration. Mm. So room temperature was whatever the temperature was, but in places like England and China, that varies hugely throughout the year. Yeah, and sometimes throughout the day. Yeah, and if you're going to have this one drink that you can drink all year round, you're going to want to be able to drink it at whatever temperature it happens to be. Yeah, and it, it's easier to drink at warm temperatures. So if you wanted a hot drink in winter, you just sit it outside in the sun and cross your fingers that it warmed up enough to be pleasant when the sun went down. Yeah, or you heat it by the fire or... Mm. And lots of options for lots. how they could have dealt with that yeah. at the time. But certainly it would never be any colder, at least back in the beginning, would never be any colder than the temperature outside. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, we're drinking Maxwell's Honey Mead, and it's really quite nice. Mm, I so would... How many bottle caps would you give the Maxwell's Honey Mead? I would give this a solid 8.5 out of 10. It's really really nice, really tasty, uh, but you have to drink it in small batches because it's quite alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, and I'll admit it, it goes down pretty easily. So I'm maybe, uh, maybe nine because it's so flexible. Mm, I'm I'm leaning more towards the eight mark, but uh, you know I like to leave room to move. So yeah, I'm I'm just telling it how I feel. Yeah, I mean I, I feel like it's it's an eight because it's a little a little sweet for for my likings. I'd like it to have a bit more bite to it which i know some meads do mm. get yeah this variety is quite sweet 
or this version is quite sweet. But we could we could make ours a little drier. We could. We, we could well, indeed. We can, we can try. We can try, yes. <laughs> I mean, we, well, we can see what happens and then we can make another one with a modern recipe. We can have a scientific comparison, a blind taste test. Yeah, we we should do that actually. We'll get a we'll get a couple of people and have them to taste if if we can find someone that hasn't had mead before. Yeah, I'll get them to try the 60 AD recipe and a modern recipe mm. and uh, see which they think is well and possibly uh, so two homemades and maybe and a store one a, a store one as a um as a control as a control and see if they can tell which is which hmm sounds good to me uh drinking we, with science <laughs> drinking with science yeah i had a i had a thought but i've forgotten it now it's just gone uh, like my drink it's empty like your drink like my drink Mm. And uh, like this episode, yeah, we um, we are coming to an end. So uh, be sure to uh, tell your friends about us and uh, suggest to us anything that you think we should do. Let us know if you've had mead or any other sort of drinks you've had. You can email us. Let us know if you've made your own and what recipe you used. Yes, absolutely. We're definitely interested to be able to talk about that on future episodes. Mm. What other people are doing in the homemade sector yeah because we're we're gonna start getting into it and we would value your input we forgot to talk about the comeback of mead because up until about 10 years ago it wasn't really that popular Mm, yeah very true it uh died off and it and it's huge in the reenactment scene huge yeah so supposedly the reason why it died off related to uh taxations for ingredients of alcohols Mm. And it was really only kept going by uh, monks in monasteries who had bees and, as a byproduct of having bees and having honey, made mead. Yeah, and when the colonization of uh, the Americas happened, of the USA, or North America rather, well, colonization by the white people, uh, they sort of stopped really having a beehive in their own backyard and they started more more and more using refined sugar as their source of sweetness instead of honey. So because fewer people had beehives and honey, there was less mead getting made. And it sort of slowly petered out, only, as you said, only getting kept alive by the monks and the diehard fans. Yeah, so I I think we can uh, actually uh, probably put it down to the reenactment scene that it made such a resurgence. Mm. Because reenactment has become very popular in uh, in recent years. I mean, who doesn't love dressing up in medieval outfits and going to a fair? Yes, indeed. Well, and drinking <laughs> mead and eating large legs of cooked Gr- dead beast and whatever else. Fe- feeling like you're you're living the life for a tw- for twenty four hours or forty eight hours. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we can thank that. I think for uh, for all of this coming back. Hmm. And um, it's been good. I yeah, think. it's it's a good thing that it came back because variety is always good. Mm. Everyone needs more options for what they want to drink, so they can find their ultimate drink. Yeah, absolutely. So they can find their good drop, their favorite beverage. Exactly. And because you want to be able to drink something that suits your mood yeah. and suits the season and suits the meal and. Whatever else. Right on, Mickle. Right on. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Yep, so this uh, this has been our Return of the King episode with uh, several the times King. where it looked like we were going to end, but this time <laughs> it is actually going to end. Yes. Uh, 
follow us on Facebook. We are a good drop podcast. We are also a good drop podcast on iTunes. Yep. Or you can subscribe to us on iTunes at a good drop podcast. Yep. And uh, email us a good drop at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, word of mouth is always a great way to let people know to visit our website, a good Yeah. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Cheers. Oh, and our oh. next episode. We almost forgot to tell you about our next episode. Almost forgot. So it, it's the return of the return of the king. Yeah, definitely the return of the king episode, <laughs> because our next episode will be Soju. Soju. So, yeah, be sure to join us for that one. And until then, cheers. cheers.